0: are listening to the Sojourn Church podcast. If you have any questions or would like to view a video version of this message, please visit our website, SojournChurch.org. Hello, hello, nation of Texas. This is honestly the first time in in maybe 15 years I've not brought my passport with me. I always bring my passport. You know, you never know when something's going to happen here with you guys, you know, I've, I've been told a number of times that, that you're ready to do whatever you need to do, and uh, I just want to make sure I'm on the right side of that one, so it's fun to be, always fun. I was, I was uh, we were just in Austin last night and this morning, uh, we have a church there, and, and uh, met with a team this morning, just recounting to uh, Pastor Joaquin Evans, if any of you know him, wonderful, wonderful guy, and uh, he was on one of the trips that I made here, yeah. and uh, one of the first trips, in fact, I think it was the first trip, and we had so many bizarre things happen <laughs> in those, oh my goodness gracious, we were talking about some of the miracles, uh, like right back over here was a young lady that had lost, uh, had problems with her teeth because of uh, a drug addiction, she had been freed and born again and part of the church, and just right in the middle of nothing happening, she screamed and embarrassed herself when she screamed, <laughs> but she just screamed. And I sent somebody back to find out what happened, because that's not normal, people don't usually scream when I'm talking. (laughs) No, occasionally, but... uh, And they ran back to see, and uh, she had been missing a tooth uh, because of the drug issues, and it literally just appeared in her mouth. It just was created. (laughs) Right back over there. So if you have teeth issues, come on, that's the spot right there, so. That's enough fun? We had so many. In fact, the first time I was here, somebody was healed of a gunshot wound. Do, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. It was, it, was, it was a bunch. Anyway, good to see you. If you've been shot, you're at the right place. <laughs> if you want to be shot, you're probably at the right place. No, no, no. Don't, don't go there, Bill. Don't go there. All right. Well, I, uh, this has got to be the most interesting time to be alive ever. Yeah. Ever, <laughs> certainly in my lifetime, ever. It's, I don't know if it's a good thing to do, but I enjoy the humor online concerning COVID. I, I, I know it's real, and I know people have been horribly affected by it. And I, I don't want to be light on that, but you know, sometimes I just need to laugh. And. Uh, <laughs> the guy who said, I'm starting to understand why my dog runs out of the house when I open the front door, you know, <laughs> after, after, after you've been quarantined for so long, you know. Another one said, uh, I, was, I was grounded for most of my childhood. This quarantine is cake. <laughs> I like the one that said, I've eaten 11 times. I've taken five naps and it's still today. <laughs> All right, let me read this to you, and then we'll get, we'll get probably not any more serious, but we'll get serious. Uh, in case you haven't heard this one, this is an enjoyable one for me. A man and his wife and his mother-in-law went on vacation to the Holy Land. While they were there, the mother-in-law passed away. The undertaker told them, you can have her shipped home for $5,000, or you can bury her here in the Holy Land for $150. The man thought about it and told him he'd just as soon have her shipped home. The undertaker asked, why would you spend $5,000 to send your mother-in-law home when it would be wonderful to have her buried here and spend only $150? The man replied, a man died here 2,000 years ago. He was buried here. Three days later, he rose from the dead. I just can't take that chance. And if the message goes bad, I have a lot more to read. So I, I, I sometimes turn to them when I'm in trouble, you know. So it's sure good to see you guys, good job. Chris and Vanessa, bless you guys. I'm so thrilled to meet you. So honored that you've stepped up to take this place. You guys turn and Susan, amazing, amazing. We have just a, a lot of history and it's just fun. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and get started here. There is so much swirling going on in the unseen world that it's really affecting people's thoughts, people's thinking, people's perception of truth, of reality. It's, uh, I don't know how much is going on here. I'm I'm sure it's like everywhere else, but some places seem to be a little bit more crazier than others. But it almost seems like the inmates are running the prison or the patients are running the asylum kind of thing at times. And it's, it's, it's strange to watch things that only a couple years ago would have been called insanity to be held up as examples of truth. So we live in that time, we live in a time where where there, we've always been able to say with understanding and conviction that the battle is in the mind. It's not mind over matter. It's not that sort of thing. It's, it's the fight for the mind of Christ. <clears throat> it is the fight for the mind of Christ. It is the fight over the mind of Christ. <clears throat> the mind of Christ is perfect wisdom. It is in, in it's fully alive in creating, in transforming. The mind of Christ always has redemption and hope in the picture. So any thought that I entertain that doesn't have redemption and hope in the picture is actually not the mind of Christ. It is actually I'm giving place to that which wars against the mind of Christ. When I've been here in the past, we've used, I've used terms uh, like what's mentioned in uh, Romans 12, verse two, where he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You and I are only transformed in the measure our mind is transformed. Yeah. We maybe have experienced this much but our transformation is equal to the renewing, the transformation of the mind. It's not because the mind is the seat of all things. It's not. It's kind of the canvas that God paints on when we allow him to create his own design. The, the, The heart can take you where your head can't fit. There's the need to be able to Uh, Faith comes from the heart, not the mind. The mind is essential, but it is secondary to the yielded, surrendered heart. Try this side over here. (laughs) Slow pitch. (laughs) Faith does not come from the mind. It comes from, from the heart. Faith does not develop in our life through striving. It develops through surrender. Faith can only be in the measure of my yes. So what we're looking for is we're looking, we're looking for those moments, those opportunities, and actually that lifestyle of absolute abandonment and trust on the Lord. It does not may, mean being thoughtless or mindless. It's quite the opposite. Your intellect will go much higher under the submission to the Holy Spirit than it will apart from. This kingdom of God is so unusual that um, there's the entrance to the kingdom and the room inside the kingdom is bigger than all the room outside of the kingdom. It's bigger in this world than everything that exists outside of this world. And to not understand that, the scripture says that we, it's a straight and narrow road uh, to the kingdom. Christ Jesus is the door. There's no other way but through Christ Jesus. If there were other ways, then the Father was cruel in requiring the suffering that Jesus went through. There is no other way. But once you're in the kingdom, it's a broad way. The walk of the kingdom, lifestyle with Jesus, is not a straight and narrow way. It's a broad relational journey where we get to explore the love of God. The single greatest reality in the universe right now at this moment is his love for you. To live unaware of that is to live aware of the inferior. Whenever we anchor our soul in the inferior, we we can only expect inferior results from our life. He has designed us for representing him well. In fact, I think it can be said and should be said that we are perfectly designed for obedience. I am the most fulfilled in my design, in my purpose for being when I do what he directs me to do. I was designed for this. To mistrust... The most trustworthy one, mistrust, most trustworthy one, is a violation of design. Everything he made, he made to fit perfectly into his purpose and plan. And you're a part of that. I'm a part of that. The renewed mind proves the will of God. That's the Roman 12, 2 passage. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the will of God. What is the will of God? The clearest definition that I've been able to find in the scripture is in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. What's the next phrase? As it is in heaven. What's the will of God? on earth as it is in heaven. How is it displayed? Most consistently through the renewed mind. Faith doesn't come from the mind. I've already stated that. It, It comes from the yielded, surrendered heart. So what purpose then does the renewed mind serve? It creates the banks of the river for faith to flow in. The renewed mind creates the context, creates a a resource of understanding of his nature, his promise, and how he works in in people's lives. It creates a context in which faith is able to be released. You and I will exhibit faith no greater than our understanding of his goodness. Faith will always explore what revelation reveals. Do I need more jokes? I have, I have some good ones, I have some good ones. Faith will always explore what revelation reveals. So let's think through that for a minute. We'll, we'll open the word in a moment here. So whenever the Lord speaks, when I say revelation, hopefully if there's somebody here that doesn't know me already, please understand, I'm not talking about in addition to scripture, I'm talking about him highlighting what is already in print. I tell our folks, I say, listen, this is, this is Jesus in print. Don't tell me you love Jesus and you don't love his word. If that's true, just slap yourself until you're thinking right. And if you don't have the courage to do it, your neighbor certainly will. So So it's it's not adding to this. This is the word of God. As Wigglesworth says, this does not contain the word of God. This is the word of God. I don't know where I was going, but it was really good. <laughs> it was good, wasn't it? It was a good one. Well, you were amazed? Yes. I was too. I, was, I could hardly wait to get there. I got so excited about Wigglesworth's Bible, so I, uh, all right. We'll just pick up with the subject, and I'll, perhaps I'll find my way back. And If I do, I'll get really happy inside, but I won't let you know what it was. I'll, I'll just go. <laughs> Revelation reveals. Thank you. So whenever the Lord highlights something in the word, in fact, let me me give it in two areas. When he highlights understanding in the word and whenever he gives you a, uh, a spiritual encounter, it may be something that you just experience in worship where you just feel peace. It may be something bizarre and extreme. doesn't matter what it is. Both revelation in the word and divine encounter introduce you to inheritance when the Lord shows you something, let, let's say that uh, tonight some of you, uh, somebody, one of you laid hands on somebody with a tumor uh, on their neck, and you saw the thing dissolve, and then you pray for 20 more people with tumors, and nothing happens. That first experience was the introduction to your inheritance, not the 19 that followed. Why do I say that? Because what the Lord will do is he will give us experiences in God. Here's my level of faith, all right? And I have this unusual, bizarre experience in God, and I want to live there. And so does he. He wants me to live there, but he knows I can't handle the leap from this to this. And so he gives me an experience that causes my level of faith to rise. Is it up here? Not yet, but we're working on it as long as I don't back down, as long as I don't quit, as long as I remain faithful to to carry on what God is revealing to me, then that faith will always continue to rise until that which was unusual and bizarre now becomes lifestyle. And that's what we're hungry for, right? That's what we're hungry for. I mean, I, I I would love to just put the thing in the microwave and have it done in 30 seconds and boom, here I am like Jesus. If that were possible, we would have figured it out a long time ago. It's not. It's the journey. You and I like the outcome. We'll save money for the car. We will go to school to get the degree. We will pray for, we will fast for two weeks and we see the person healed. We, we love outcomes. He likes the journey. See, his goal is the journey. His goal is the journey. I think what he writes in his book, he says, Bill, I really liked it that time you were so worried and anxious you couldn't sleep at night and you got up and you prayed. I I really liked that. That was his goal. So when I was in trouble, I turned to him. My goal is to have what annoys me fixed. (laughs) But his goal is that I include him in the journey. The more we think from his perspective, the more we will be responsible with our choices. Eternity, I felt like the Lord spoke this to me years ago, and I I can't prove it at all yet, but I'm going to stick with it. (laughs) Eternity is the cornerstone of logic and reason. Once we lose consciousness, awareness of eternity, we make decisions for now. And decisions that only affect now are always short-sighted. When we live with an awareness of eternity, we always live uh, investing in then. The wonderful thing is, when I invest in eternity, it does affect my life now. But if I live for now, it doesn't affect eternity in the way I'd hoped. All right, um, let's see. How about we open the Bible? Think that's a good plan. Let's let's hurry and do that before I wander all over the map. Um, Let's do this. Open with me to Proverbs twenty-two and First Corinthians chapter Second Corinthians chapter ten. Now, because I feel the enemy is targeting the mind of the church more than any season I have ever witnessed in my life. The thought life, the the process, the values, the swirling. There's so much confusion. There are so many people that have have embraced ideologies that are so anti-Christian nature, but they can't see it. And there are there are brothers, there are sisters, there are friends. They have married ideologies. In fact, I shared on this uh, with uh, our group in Austin last night uh, out of a little bit different context. But you remember King Solomon, he married all these foreign wives and it caused his heart to turn from the Lord. Do you know why he would marry the foreign wives? It was always to increase his favor. So just work with me on this for a minute. Solomon already has every king of the known world sitting at his feet to hear his wisdom. And now he wants to increase his favor with the surrounding nations so he marries their daughter because if they marry the daughter of a neighboring nation, then the thought is that nation will never attack them in war. So he's trying to create favor for himself that he already has. And when, when you try to obtain through carnal effort what God has already supplied, you will defile the very thing that God has supplied. What happened to Adam and Eve? The serpent comes into the garden and says, if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. They already were. They tried to obtain through their labor what they already had by grace. And the Lord will bless the world. This may may shock you a little bit, but the Lord will actually bless the unbeliever before he blesses the carnality of a believer. Because if he blesses the world, it can woo them to him. Kindness leads to repentance. But he blesses the carnality of a believer, he actually promotes their rebellion. I just wanted to bring you a light motivational (laughs) speech here. Uh, how, is, how is it working? Is all right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm smiling on the inside. I just want you to know. I'm, I'm, I'm a happy guy. I really am. All right. Look at verse 22. Of, did I tell you Proverbs 21? 22? Well, it's verse 22. You should have known that if you were prophetic. <laughs> Sorry. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 22. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. A wise man scales the city of the mighty, brings down the trusted stronghold. Two things that we should see here. Immediately what comes to mind for me, scaling a city, we're talking in Old Testament times, the, the large cities that had these massive walls, sometimes so thick you could have chariot races on top. So a wise man is able to scale the wall of that city to bring down the trusted stronghold. It tells me a second thing. Strongholds are places where people trust other than God. You look into any culture and what, what you find people trusting in in a crisis moment shows you where the stronghold is. Remember, the most trustworthy one in the universe is worthy of my trust. It is robbery of me to trust anything in the place of him. And to do so repeatedly actually creates a stronghold. A stronghold for what? A stronghold that hides the demonic and their influence to kill, steal, and destroy. A bad thought does not create a stronghold. A lifestyle of bad thoughts creates a stronghold. If you can imagine each thought being a brick, a, a demon can't hide behind that. But if you keep thinking that way, self-criticism, self-hatred, whatever it might be, you'll create this, this wall that eventually becomes enclosed. And it's a place from which the enemy goes out to kill, steals, destroy, but you can't recognize him because he's hiding behind your thoughts. The devil doesn't know what you're thinking, but he does know the thoughts he gave to you. He can't read your mind, but he can read his letter. <laughs> you know. He can read his fiery dart. He can recognize what he said, and he can tell by our words and our countenance whether we received the fiery dart. So this says, a wise man scales the city of the mighty, brings down the trusted stronghold. So then that tells me another, a third ingredient of this verse that's essential as we get into Corinthians. And that is that wisdom has a role. See, wisdom is the mind of Christ. Wisdom is not just being able to solve problems or puzzles or something. It's that, but it's so much more. Wisdom is actually the creative edge and nature of God. That's why it's in Proverbs 8, as wisdom stood with the creator on the day of creation. So it tells me then that wisdom plays a part in our ability to destroy strongholds. Now, listen to me. For those of you that have heard me talk before, I, I I don't spend much time talking about the devil. He's not worthy of my attention. Paul does say, I don't want you to be unaware. So I'm doing one of those... Unaware talks. I don't want us to be unaware. That's yeah. all. I, just, I want to cover my bases and then we'll just be happy the rest of the night. All right? <clears throat> so he's, apparently, then, wisdom plays a role in us being able to dismantle that which we have trusted in, family members, or perhaps even a community in a nation, what we have trusted other than God, because those areas of trust actually conceal the enemy. Now, let me throw in one more verse, and then we'll go to Corinthians. It's in Nahum chapter 1, verse 7, and I'll just quote it to you. It says, the Lord is good, a stronghold, excuse me, a a strong, the Lord is good and is a stronghold, and he knows those who trust in him. Remember, it's about trust. It's about his goodness, and then the Lord then becomes the stronghold for us. So when I shared shared this stuff with uh, our family here a few weeks ago, I said, choose your stronghold. Choose your stronghold. Wisdom says I'm going to hide in the name of the Lord, in the mind of Christ. I may not have all the answers, but I have the spirit of the living God inside of me. And he is ready to demonstrate who Jesus is now, seated at the right hand of the Father. Did I say I was going to mention one more verse before Corinthians? I came close to it. <laughs> so this verse is in Corinthians. It's just not the one I was mentioning. In 2 Corinthians 3, no, 1 Corinthians 3, I'm sorry. I think it's in verse 3, Paul is correcting the church of Corinth. And there's a phrase I want to use as we go into the next passage. The phrase, the phrase is Paul rebukes them and he says, you're acting like mere men. How many times have we heard people say, well, we're only human? No, no, you were. You were, but you now have the DNA of God coursing through your veins. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. More is expected of you than a Band-Aid over a sin problem. More is expected from us now because the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that functioned through him for the walking on the sea and the multiplying of the food and the raising of the dead and all the things that he did, that exact same presence now resides in me. All right, let's go to Corinthians. Let's just do that so we can say we made it. First, or 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 4, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. When flesh is used in this context, it's not talked about humanity. It's talking about the carnal part of of the human life. When we walk in the flesh, when we walk as human beings, we do not war according to the abilities, talents, skills that come just uh, naturally to us as people. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let's take that last phrase. We'll do that, and then I want to go through these two verses. He says, take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let's, for just a moment, let's just pretend we're all in a, a, we're all soldiers in an army. We are all at war with the most vicious enemy mankind has ever seen. And you are in this conflict and you take one of those prisoners captive. If you could take that prisoner captive and convert them, to where they fought with you in the battle, that would be this verse. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Get that thought converted to where now, instead of that thought working against your destiny, now that thought works for your destiny. Instead of it working against your identity, it is now working to establish. That very thing that the enemy used to undermine your faith is now being used to create the atmosphere of faith. Wow. When we take thoughts captive, they are not, it's not just saying, I can't think this thought anymore. It's not that. We take that thing prisoner. And that very thing, let's just say uh, you're filled with self-criticism and self-doubt. You take that thought captive and you say, now wait a minute, I'm a new creation in Christ. What did you just do? You took a thought that the enemy throws at you to undermine your faith and you work through the scripture until it is your impulse to think, I'm a new creation in Christ, the spirit of the living God lives inside of me. It's not just something that you say on a Sunday morning to feel better about yourself. It's the place from which you do life. When that's happened, you have successfully taken a prisoner and converted him. Amen, Bill. That's a real good point. Amen. All right. Now, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If I'm having a problem with a friend or you know, maybe a political leader, I mean just anybody, just fill in the blank. I've got a conflict and I, I really am irritated at that person If I entertain thoughts that do not have hope or redemptive solution as a possibility, then I am embracing ideologies that are raised up against the knowledge of God because it wars against what God thinks. God doesn't look at one problem and say, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. He doesn't look at one unconverted person and say, yeah, I don't think I can save them. He doesn't look at one problem and say, I have no redemptive solution. So if I give place to an attitude, a thought pattern, a process that wars against what God has said, I am actually partnering with that which wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And I'm raising up ideas. I'm raising them up even though they contradict the knowledge of God. God's knowledge of this situation is this is fixable. I may not understand the solution, but that's where trust comes in. Trust does not require understanding. It's why it's superior to knowledge. Christianity is not called the understanding, it's called the faith. We're, we're called believers, not understanders. <laughs> He's designed us as people of faith. It is normal for you to believe God. It's normal. It's in your DNA because the, the nature of Christ is in your nature. As one of our staff members told us some years ago, he said, Jesus never taught on how to deal with unanswered prayers because he never had any. And when he brought us into relationship, he didn't give us problems and put a PS at the bottom and say, I don't always want to do this. He didn't say, Abide in me, let my words abide in you. You ask whatever you want and it'll be done for you most of the time if you've, if you've really had a good week. You know, I mean, it, you, you know, that's silly. He doesn't say that. He actually gives us the absolute promise. So if there's absolute promise and I'm not having absolute breakthrough, the problem is never on his end of the equation. Self-criticism and self-doubt does not get me to where I need to be. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when uh, the father brings his child, his son, to the disciples because he's tormented with demons. These demons throw him on the ground and in a fire and try to kill him. And and the disciples um, try and and they don't get him free. And so he sees Jesus, he brings him to Jesus and, um, and Jesus sets him free. Here's a couple things that may not stand out to you. The disciples were shocked when it didn't work, which tells you what? It had always worked. It had always worked. I don't mean it's, I don't mean it's, a, it's a magic tool. I'm just saying they had been given the authority to do that. They sent out two by two. They accomplished that stuff. They do what Jesus did. They were deputized by his authority, his anointing, and they demonstrated who Jesus was, and they had done it over and over again. They partnered with him and saw these miracles take place. So when in this instance it didn't work, they were shocked. Jesus comes up, brings deliverance, and the disciples take Jesus aside, and they said, how come it didn't work when we tried? And he said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. We often take the outcome of that story to be prayer and fasting. It's a good place to start. But that's not the lesson. When the miracle didn't work, they took Jesus aside. That's it. That's it. It didn't work the way you said. And I know you're not the problem. See, this is the standard. I wish I could tell you it always happens the way it's in print for me. No, I'm glad when it does. I'm overjoyed. But I too face those moments, those times, where it seems that the opposite has happened to the promise. See, faith brings answers, but enduring faith brings answers with character. And the Lord is looking for more than just filling my life with good experiences. He's wanting to fill my life with his nature, his character so that who he is can be seen in the power for the miracle and the power to endure. <clears throat> the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. If ever I've lived in a season where the air is filled with arguments. I mean, I think there are people out there arguing with themselves. They're arguing with what they just said. It's like the guy on a deserted island, and they find him. And they said, what are those two structures? And they said, those are two churches. How come there's two? He says, well, this one had a church split, so he's, he's the only one there. So, he's... so he says, casting down arguments. I'm going to assume that all of us in the room have the same kinds of things that we have to deal with, but there are arguments raised up in our thinking against the knowledge of God. Don't treat it as a friend. Don't treat it kindly. Don't massage it for all it's worth. Throw it down. Throw it down. Take the stupid thing and throw it down. In fact, throw it down and step on it. Just kind of get some attitude going. I'm not going to agree with that. That undermines my faith any longer. I'm serving notice. And we take that thought and we replace it. You can't just remove negative things and not replace. We know from the house that's clean and swept in Scripture. The enemy moves in seven times worse. Our responsibility is to fill the places that were occupied by wrong thinking, by wrong attitudes, by wrong values, wrong behavior, replace them with the righteous things. Yeah. All right, so casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Uh, I've already said it once, uh, and I, I just needed to say it again. Maybe it's for my sake. But when I think about a person or a situation and I actually entertain thoughts about them that don't have hope and don't have a redemptive solution, I'm partnering with a high thing lifted up against the knowledge of God. I've giving my yes, as temporary as it may be, I'm still giving my yes to that which is in conflict with the mind of Christ. I can't afford to have a thought in my head about me that he doesn't have in his head about me. If I entertain any of those kinds of things, I'm actually giving a part of my heart away, my energy. You you know, thinking is exhausting. And why pour your strength into that which is, why would you lend your strength to that which is to undermine your relationship with God, to deter, to in fact, to put a fly in the ointment, so to speak. So let's go back to the beginning place and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. What the scripture says in Romans is that the, the renewed mind, the transformed mind proves the will of God. What is the cry outside these walls? in each of our states, our cities, this nation, the cry is for the authentic rule of King Jesus to be seen. You say, well, I don't know anybody who has that kind of a cry. The scripture says he's the desire of the nations. So it tells me everybody wants a king like Jesus. They're not going to get it through our sermons. There's an effect that our words have. I don't wanna downplay that but it's through our lives, it's through our lifestyle. It's the fact that you can be opposed and you don't compromise to obtain favor. And this is what Solomon did. He married foreign wives to obtain favor and it ended up being his downfall. Whenever we as the church embrace false ideologies to obtain favor from that particular group, We are entering into a marriage covenant of idolatry that will affect the heart of the church. The, the, the Lord is bringing us into holy under the Lord lifestyle. And if there's ever a time, I, I, I just feel like drafting everybody in the room. We're just going to create an army. You're all drafted, you know, and, and this is it. it it's, it's, it's not, it, we can't waltz through this one. That's right. There have been times where you can, right. you can coast, and you can coast on the strength of people around you. I'm not even going to say it was wrong. There are just, there's just been times where you're just so fatigued, but the people around you, the faith is so strong, you're able to just hang around the right people, and you end up coming out of that season, and you're doing great. All right? This isn't that one. Right. <laughs> this isn't that one. That's there's true. no coasting in this one because so. nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows where they're going. So we just maintain the this, this simplicity of the gospel. I was born to live in and to live with the mind of Christ. When he uses this word in Romans 12 about be transformed, it's actually a word that is related to the word transfiguration. If you remember Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. So the transformed mind, then picture Jesus transformed before his disciples. I believe it's Luke's gospel that describes Jesus in that moment as his clothing is actually flashes of lightning. Now, if you were a sleeping disciple, you probably woke up pretty good with that vision right in front of you of Jesus standing there. He appears different than he's ever appeared, and his clothing is actually flashes of lightning. That word for the, that, that transfiguration is related to the renewed mind. And it's my conviction that the renewed mind in the spirit realm has the same appearance as the transfigured Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. When people are thinking the thoughts of God, something is released. Something is released. And the enemy is the most frightened of you and me thinking and seeing what God sees. Because there's not one thing he looks at with fear and trembling. There's not one thing he looks at with any sense of hopelessness. Every single thing he looks at he has a redemptive solution. Wow. Amen. I think I'm done. Amen. I think that's it. I think it's... <laughs> so good. Sometimes talking about these ideals of the gospel it appears before us as a mountain that is just simply too hard to climb when in fact it has already been written into your DNA. And that which looks to be impossible is actually a part of your nature as a believer. Sometimes it's the yes that is so quiet and so simple, it's not noble, it's not the grandstanding, yes, it's the driving down the street and there's that thought that has always been an issue for you and you've entertained the wrong thing, creating a place for the enemy just to steal you blind and then that moment you just turn your heart to the Lord and you just say, no, I trust you, that's it. What was quiet in your car is broadcast over to heaven. In the <clears throat> 23rd Psalm I had a situation a few years ago that was really difficult uh, physically. I had a, a growth in an intestine and long story it was just a it was a rough season and i just would read so many things from the word but one thing i do daily is just read 23rd psalm <clears throat> the lord is my shepherd i shall not want and there's this verse where he says even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil because you're with me Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. There are measures of his presence that you can only find in the valley of the shadow of death. He hides himself there for you. He says, I will prepare a table before you. What is that table? That table is rich fellowship, great nourishment, wonderful time with Jesus. And he says, I'm going to put the table in the presence of your enemies. When the Lord said he's going to hide you, he didn't say he's going to hide you out of view. He's going to hide you out of reach. You'll still be in view, but it's not to make you nervous. It's to torment the enemy. That should make you happy. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you're sitting at this table with Jesus and you get preoccupied with the enemy that's watching, you've missed the purpose of the table. Let me let, let us walk away into this situation backwards. I'm aware of all the craziness that's going on around me. That must mean there's a table, and I need to find it. I need to find the face because he said it would be here. And I got distracted by this accusation. I got distracted by this noise over here, this conflict. There's got to be a table here somewhere. There's got to be a face on the other side of that table, and he's invited me into that place. I'm out of reach, so let me find the face. Thank you for listening to the Sojourn Church podcast. For more messages or content similar to this, please visit our website. If you would like to support our ministry, please visit the first link in the show description or visit sojournchurch.org give.